Welcome into another edition of the Wisports.net podcast. I'm Travis Wilson, general manager at Wisports.net, and your host for the WSN podcast. We have reached week seven of the high school football season. After this week, the entire season, when you take into account regular season and playoffs, the entire season will be half over. 14 weeks of the high school football season, nine regular season weeks, five postseason weeks, counting the state finals. So, again, halfway through the entire high school football season after this week seven. There's a lot going on, of course. We have uh, passed the halfway point of the regular season. We are approaching the last few weeks of the regular season, and that means a lot of attention does turn to the postseason, to playoffs. We will have all kinds of playoff breakdowns, projections, all kinds of stuff coming out in the next couple weeks. You already saw we had our playoff breakdown this week, a look at who's in, who's on the bubble, who's got some work to do, and we'll have more and more of that in the next couple weeks. Today on the WSN podcast, we're going to have a conversation with our old friend Rob Hernandez, former prep sports editor for a long time at the Wisconsin State Journal. Five or six years ago, Rob left the prep sports uh, realm, moved out to California, actually, um, did get involved and, and has gotten involved since then with uh, Wisconsin.golf, where he does cover high school golf in Wisconsin, but also professional and amateur uh, events throughout the state, has since moved to Arizona recently. And we're going to catch up with Rob to get uh, a little bit of an inside information on his time last week covering the Ryder Cup. Also talk to him about kind of the, the changing landscape in high school prep sports coverage in the state of Wisconsin, what he has seen you know, since he started way back in the, the late 1980s up until now, the, the changes that have, have really been significantly impactful since he left in the last five or six years. Also talk to him about what it was like, um, you know, being involved with uh, high school athletics in California, the differences between how they do things, what they do, all that kind of stuff uh, between California and back here in Wisconsin, and just kind of get a good uh, catch-up with Rob. Always always good to talk with him. Uh, as I will say in our interview coming up shortly, uh, somebody that I have looked up to for a long time. He was the, the prep sports guy at the State Journal when I was in high school at Richland Center. Um, you know, somebody that you know, I I certainly look to as a mentor for uh, for a long time. He and Dennis Semro in the Madison area, and uh, even though you know sometimes a little little contentious uh, at times early on, we we did end up building a great relationship. And uh, he is somebody that is sorely sorely missed back here in Wisconsin because he was a huge advocate for high school sports uh, athletes and high school sports in general. At, uh, at the media company that he worked for and, and just in, in media in general. So looking forward to a great conversation with Rob. Uh, we'll get to that in just a moment. Again, heading into week seven of the high school football season. One programming note, I will not be at a game this week. Uh, I have a family wedding this weekend. So for the quick trip game of the week, Norbert Durst will be taking my place and, and heading out. It does look like he will go to Franklin at Oak Creek. That uh, matchup has dominated the voting in our Week 7 Quick Trip Game of the Week poll. So Norb will be heading down to that big rivalry game. A pair of undefeated teams in Division 1 should be a great one. 
a number of other very good games on the schedule, of course. And, uh, you know, looking forward to a good week. Uh, a lot to, a lot of options in uh, when we were picking the game of the week this week. In the coaches poll this week, we did have a couple changes at the top. Top-ranked Baraboo was knocked off by Fort Atkinson last week, so they dropped out of the top spot. Greendale moves to number one. And then down in Division 7, another new number one team down there. Bangor lost a close one to Spencer Columbus Catholic. That was a replacement game for both teams, but it does, does count. Uh, Bangor lost a game on the field. So Reedsville moved to the number one position in Division 7. Hurley's third after they beat Edgar in another replacement game. That was actually the third game or third loss of the year for the Edgar Wildcats. They're still in the rankings at number seven. And then a little bit of movement here and there. But again, the, the big story, a couple new top-ranked teams in the latest Wisports.net coaches poll. Uh you can look for our weekly preview coming out soon. Our eight-player preview can, uh, comes out on Wednesday. Um, you know, our, our player and team of the week polls wrap up on Thursday. And a, uh, certainly a shout-out to uh, our new feature uh, this week, our Home Field Pride Contest, sponsored by Midwest Sport and Turf Systems. Our great partners there uh, have done some incredible work creating some amazing fields, synthetic turf fields here in the state of Wisconsin. We're putting it to the test to see which ones you think are the best-looking fields that that uh, Midwest Sport and Turf has installed over the last few years. Uh, 31 schools are, are part of that. This week, 10 of them are in Group 1 voting. Huge response there. And uh, you, can, you can go and vote. That wraps up on Thursday. Next week, we'll have Group 2. The following week, we'll have Group 3. And then at the end, there will be the finals, the top three vote-getters in each group Advance to the finals. The winner of those finals gets a $1,000 donation from Midwest Sport and Turf. Incredible work they do, and make sure that uh, you check that out. And uh, if, if you're a school thinking uh, of any possibility of doing a turf field, whether it's for your football uh, field, soccer field, baseball and softball, whatever it might be, Midwest Sport and Turf are certainly the ones to, to check on. A Midwest-based company, Ryan Anderson is the local rep here in Wisconsin, had been an athletic director at Menominee Falls and uh, a person that I've worked with for a long time. So they're, they're doing some great work. And again, be sure you check out that Home Field Pride contest on WSN. We're going to have our conversation coming up in just a moment with Rob Hernandez, uh, again, our, our friend, uh, from, uh, former sports editor at the Wisconsin State Journal, uh, recorded that uh, earlier this week. And uh, looking forward to a great conversation with Rob. And as promised, bringing on our special guest this week, a longtime friend uh, of mine and uh, somebody that I've long considered a mentor, going back to when he covered my days in high school at Richland Center, Rob Hernandez, former preps editor at the Wisconsin State Journal, unfortunately left us a few years ago and has moved out to the West Coast and pursuing some other opportunities, but wanted to connect with Rob uh, and, and get him back on to, to hear from him and uh, also some uh, some big goings on that he was uh, a part of and, and covering back in the state. So Rob, appreciate you joining us on the WSN podcast and, and great to catch up with you again. Travis, great to talk to you. Um, and uh, just so your listeners know, uh, a lot of what I do now uh, in starting up uh, Wisconsin.golf is actually uh, 
six years ago today as we record the podcast that I started it at uh, Killarney Golf Media, and uh, it seems like yesterday. And then uh, about uh, six months after starting, we, we launched uh, Wisconsin.Golf, and a lot of it was kind of molded, uh, at least on the high school end of our coverage, after all the great stuff that you guys have done at WizSports.net. And uh, so I, I, you need to know that uh, the work that you're doing is every bit as important as uh, – is what I did back in the day, and uh, you, you've kind of taken the baton uh, from guys like me and Dennis Semrau and, and, uh, and made sure that uh, the high school audience has a place to go. You, you do a great job. Well, appreciate, uh, appreciate that. And, um, you know, what a start, our conversation, though, with uh, what you had going on this past weekend, an, an amazing weekend in Wisconsin, and especially for you as someone that covers golf, uh, in Wisconsin and beyond, with the Ryder Cup being held here in the state. Uh, the U.S. team sets a new record with uh, 19 points in, in the current format, takes the Ryder Cup. What an unbelievable weekend it was. Uh, what, can you, what can you do, what can you say to kind of put a wrap on that whole experience of this past week at the Ryder Cup? Well, I think the best thing we can do is sort of take a look at it through Steve Stricker's eyes. The U.S. captain was born in Edgerton, won a state high school championship in Edgerton, played his college golf at Illinois, uh, did what you know hundreds of young golfers in Wisconsin have done, trying to make it on the pro tour, and um, you know his uh, one of three or four you know people that have done it successfully over the last 20 years and, and had you know a long and successful career at it to the point where he became you know thought of highly enough that. Uh, um, that he could be a Ryder Cup captain. And, uh, and then you, you throw that in with uh, all the great stuff that Kohler Company has done in developing destination golf in Wisconsin with its four courses uh, over in the Kohler area with Whistling Straits, the Straits course being the, the uh, jewel of that uh, collection. And uh, it, it set the stage for the Ryder Cup to come to Wisconsin, have a, a locally grown captain, and then the rest uh, was just basically pure golf magic. Um, and you covered, you know, sports long enough to know the, the, you know, how egos can drive things one way or the other. And Steve Stricker was able to take, you know, 12 different individuals, really have them buy into what I felt was a, a kind of a Wisconsin mentality of getting the job done and setting aside whatever differences you've had and um, and they did that, and they did that emphatically. As you said, it was a record-breaking performance by Team USA, and um, it was it was a, a sight to behold. It was a long week. It was a grueling week for everybody involved, whether it was uh, the players, the fans, the media. Um, and uh, but as uh, the sun set on Sunday night, uh, I think uh, just about everybody walked away from Whistling Straits with a smile. You have covered a lot of different events over the years in your time at the Wisconsin State Journal and, and at, Wis- uh, at Wisconsin uh, Golf, um, state championships, uh, Badger games. I, I believe you went to a Rose Bowl or two, uh, different things. Where, where, where and how does covering a major golf event like this rate compared to some of those other events in the past? That's a good question, and I've actually thought about that because, you know, it was one of those things where I was there, but I didn't feel like it was there. Covering golf is, is really difficult to be able to, to, to cover all the bases, and you can't assign yourself to one group and walk, you know, all 18 holes at Whistling Straits and believe that you've seen it all. And uh, so we spent a lot of our time in the media center. So 
that you know so when you cover golf you know these days it takes a little bit away from you know the the experience because it's not like covering the Rose Bowl where you're sitting up there in the press box uh, you know looking up at the mountains over the stadium looking down at the action on the field and you know just as everybody else is and uh, the same with the Super Bowls and and um, but I think as we go forward it's probably going to be one of the top five things that I've covered I've covered uh, the uh, the Packers and the Super Bowl out in San Diego back in the day that wasn't one of the, the the better outcomes but it certainly was a memorable experience and then you know I've never really ranked my high school things that I've covered I can remember there was a great uh, back and forth high school football game in Oregon um, early in my career that ended on a late stop and at that time I thought that was the greatest thing of my you know the most exciting thing that I've ever seen. Um, I think this, for all the pageantry, for all the tradition that went into it, um, you know, has to be one of the top events to be that I've covered in the state of Wisconsin. And um, because, yeah, we, we haven't had, you know, we've had majors, we've had U.S. Opens, we've had PGA championships, but, um, you know, I, I wasn't there for the to see all the great stuff uh, downtown for the Deer District and uh, when the Bucks. I, I would think that. If, if I were someone who covered the Bucks winning the World Championship this year and the, the Ryder Cup, it would be a, a toss-up as to which of those two events was was a bigger deal for Wisconsin um, simply because um, you had a global impact with the Ryder Cup and um, and it, it, it really was something that you don't have come around every, you know, this is the once-in-a-lifetime thing. If it comes back, Gary D'Amato wrote a story today, if it comes back, the earliest it can come back to Whistling Straits is 2041. And in his story, it also said there, there's never been a venue that has been a repeat host of the Ryder Cup. That'll change when Hazeltine hosts in a few years but um, up in Minnesota. But uh, um, you know, this is unique. And, and it's hard, you know, when you start comparing two, I don't want to take anything away from what the Bucks did because, you know, that for, for some of us was a, is a twice-in-a-lifetime experience. For some of you, it's a once-in-a-lifetime experience that, we hope, you know, it gets repeated uh, next year. But, uh, you know, again, time will tell on all this stuff, but it was a wonderful event to cover. Before we uh, move on from golf and, and talk about some other things, uh, what are some other events coming up in Wisconsin? Are there other majors or other tournaments? Of course, there's the uh, the AmFam Classic every year that, uh, that Steve Stricker is the, the host for. But what are other Wisconsin golf events coming up in the next few years that – you know, might be opportunities for people to get out to if they weren't able to get to the Ryder Cup. Well, it's a good good question, um, and uh, it's one that Gary had kind of joked about. We've got uh, um, next year, I believe it is, um, is the U.S. Mid Amateur at Whistling. I'm sorry, at Aaron Hills, and uh, so that puts us at 2022, 20, uh, and then I believe it's 2025 is the U.S. Women's Open at Aaron Hills. And then 2023, I believe it is, is the U.S. Senior Open up at Century World. Those are the big ones right now that are on the books. But um, between the, you know, uh, the the major governing bodies know that uh, Wisconsin turns out in large numbers for events. I think it's key. Uh, the Ryder Cup was not a cheap ticket. And um, so I think from a golf consumer standpoint, there's going to need to be a little bit of recovery time for people as they, you know, um, you know, wait for the next big thing. And um, so the, the big talk, though, is what will Kohler host next? Um, the PG of America didn't do Kohler any favors when it uh, 
was sort of forced to move the PGA Championship from August to May. The PGA Tour was trying to um, put its develop its PGA Tour playoffs in front of the NFL season, and um, and so therefore needed uh, a little more real estate on the calendar in August. So that got moved to May. May is a little bit too early to host a major championship here. The U.S. Opens, kind of like the uh, um, the, the Ryder Cup, has been uh, signed out for many years, and uh, so I'm not sure that that's one that the that with uh, that uh, Kohler Company will go after. Um, and USGA has a nice relationship with Aaron Hills. Aaron Hills did a great job of hosting. We keep and part of the reason that Aaron Hills is hosting a mid amateur and a U.S. Women's Open is to try to, you know do all the right things and be the, the cooperative partner with the USGA and hope that they'll land a, another U.S. Open. So it really depends. Uh, there's a lot going on in the world of golf uh, between the PGA Tour and the European Tour, which is uh, the, the uh, portion on the, the European side that uh, stages the Ryder Cup. Uh, for a lot of joint events, a lot of partnerships, uh, they're going to try to do a few events where there are combined um uh, points available for the race to Dubai, which is the, the FedEx Cup uh, equivalent on the European Tour, and um, and then a lot of things where on the the satellite events where European Tour players come over to the states and play uh, in tournaments that are held opposite majors, like the British Open, the the um, and, and some of the bigger events on the, the World Golf Championship events that uh, where they can earn points on their tour and and improve the fields. Uh, you know that currently uh, tend to get a little watered down when you take the best players and send them to the Open Championship or or WGC event, and then you're left with you know guys from say you know 75 through 185 on the money list or the world rankings, and uh, and so that um, that'll help improve things, but it'll also start building a culture where um, the two sides of the uh, of the world uh, do more together. And then there may be more opportunities for a, a Kohler company. The other thing would be um, a tour championship might be something, but right now that's kind of parked in at the uh, uh, in Atlanta uh, because it's uh, sponsored by Coca-Cola and Coca-Cola is based there. So right now that's not an option, but I would expect there to be a lot of things coming our way, Travis, that uh, um, you know showcase the fact that Wisconsin really turns out to watch its golf events. We're talking with Rob Hernandez, our old friend from the, from the Wisconsin State Journal, now at Wisconsin.golf. Um, real quick, I guess one more golf question. So it, it used to be there was a PGA Tour event in Wisconsin, right? Was it the Greater Milwaukee Open? Um, any right. any opportunity that there's a regular, consistent tour stop in Wisconsin at any point again? I don't see that coming um the the gmo always struggled because it just wasn't a market big enough to command um you know the best fields it was always had the toughest dates so many of the tournaments on the pga tour schedule have been there forever and ever and you know barring a dramatic change in that um i don't see it coming uh at the same time that the gmo was held down at brown deer park in milwaukee the western open was always held down at cog hill golf and country club outside chicago and while that tournament isn't on the schedule anymore, um, the people who run it now run a, a, a PGA Tour playoff, a FedEx Cup playoff event uh, called the BMW Championship, but it moves around the country. And, um, and so there is talk that, you know, that Whistling Straits could fit into that um, profile at some point. But uh, 
as far as an annual event, it doesn't seem like that's uh, going to be a direction anybody goes. Um, they have the successful American Family Insurance Championship on the PGA Tour Champions, the Senior Tour, uh, that has really um, done well. And if anything, Travis, I think I, I would expect to see somebody dabble uh, in an annual event or um, something um, along the lines of for women's golf, either an LPGA Tour event uh, with Bobby Stricker, um, Steve Stricker's uh, oldest daughter, now uh, having Symmetra Tour status, I wouldn't be surprised if we see um, a Symmetra Tour event um, coming back to Wisconsin. There was one uh, hosted by Potawatomi Casinos and Hotels down in Milwaukee that uh, fell victim to COVID. I would expect that to come back and maybe one more added. They like to have several events uh, um, in an area to try to you know, minimize travel for these uh, young ladies that are trying to make it on tour, don't have a lot of money to fly from one end of the country to the other. So. Those are probably some of the things that we'll see going forward. All right. Well, let's talk a little bit about what you used to cover, and that is high school sports in Wisconsin. Obviously, you're still very connected to the golf scene here in Wisconsin, but how much are you able to follow what's going on in some of the other sports? And in football right now, obviously, is a big one, but basketball and other sports, how connected do you try to stay with, uh, with what you used to do? Well, I very much pay attention to, especially where we moved from Verona, um, and uh, because you know our our kids, uh, the youngest, uh, our youngest son just uh, graduated high school about two years ago. Um, so you know we had a lot of ties yet to, to some of the things that were going on in the Madison area, but uh, certainly you know I grew up in Wisconsin Rapids. It was kind of funny. Um, I did get back to the hotel on Friday night early enough to watch uh, the different highlights packages in the Green Bay area. The, most of the media stayed up in the Green Bay area and uh, got to see my alma mater, uh, Wisconsin Rapids Lincoln, uh, the highlights of their uh, shutout of Hortonville. Uh, now, Travis, that wasn't a rivalry when I was back in high school, Wisconsin Rapids and Hortonville. So you're going to have to explain to me all the different uh, uh, conference alignments for football that we have these days because it sure has changed a lot. But I, I still do keep in touch with what I'm seeing uh, in, a, in a lot of different sports. Well, there has been a lot of changes uh, since you left five or six years ago now, I guess it was. Um, and, and one of the big changes that we've continued to see and that, that you, uh, I know, felt some frustration about um, was the, the, the changing of how media covered high school sports and you know some contractions in a lot of areas of the number of teams covered and the amount of uh, resources dedicated to high school sports. Um, what what have you seen? What have you continued to see in in that realm? And in, in talking with, you know, friends and, and people back here, how how has that continued to go and, and be impacted? Well, it's funny you bring that up because um, the Saturday of the first uh, weekend of high school football, um, I can tell you that my phone lit up uh, a lot uh, when people went to their uh, um, driveway and picked up the Wisconsin State Journal and expecting to see the box score from Friday night football games and saw nothing more than scores and a few highlights. Um, it was a hurtful day for a lot of us who, um, you know, went to work at the Wisconsin State Journal uh, trying to continue the legacy that uh, people like Don Lindstrom and Joe Dahmerhausen and Glenn Miller and all the people going back to Monty McCormick and, and the people who made the State Journal what it is um, and gathered, you know, high school football box scores from an in an inordinary amount of uh, uh, high schools around southern Wisconsin and then to 
um, uh, to not have them in the paper for the first time in a, in a lifetime um, really hurt uh, those that have been at the Wisconsin State Journal and did that for so many years. And, um, you know, you and I have talked many times about the importance of getting the names of kids into, whether it's the newspaper, onto a website, into a story, and the impact that has because those games are those kids' Super Bowl. And to lose that at the second largest newspaper in the state of Wisconsin was to borrow a phrase from the Packer play-by-play man, Wayne Larrabee, a dagger. And um, I, I heard from my, my former sports editor, Bill Brophy, um, and others that, uh, you know, I stood by on, and sat by on Friday nights in the office of Wisconsin State Journal as we, you know, I mean, when I first started, Travis, we would try to track down, you know, box scores uh, from the Cooley Conference, so that meant, you know, maybe Arcadia against Gale Electric Trempolo, um, all the way down to the Southern Lakes East, which, you know, was Waterford and Wistosha Central. And, uh, you know, and it was for a handful of papers that people might have picked up in a convenience store or a gas station, um, you know, where they didn't even have great circulation. So it really hurts to see that, uh, you know, the high school coverage at so many places around the state has been kicked to the curb. So if you're listening to this and you have, um, you know, a, a sports writer or a sports editor that's, you know, doing a good job by you, you know, make sure you thank that person. Make sure that you thank the company that's employing that person and make sure they understand that, uh, you know, the world just doesn't revolve around the Badgers, the Packers, the Bucks, the Brewers. You know, there's more to it than that. And um, and that really has um, been a change for the, the worse. I, I just, I, I still cannot, I look back and I can't believe it, Travis, that we were able to cover more ground with less technology than the newspapers today who cover less ground with more technology. It, it really doesn't make sense, does it? Well, you know where I stand <laughs> on on the idea. Um, I, it's still, you know, it, it, you understand, obviously, that a high school football game on a Friday night between, you know, homeschool A and away school B is not going to have the same kind of readership, the same kind of following that a Badger Bucks or, or Brewers game will have. However, as, as I've said before, well over 100,000 people, if not close to 150,000 people in, in some weeks, attend high school football games in the state of Wisconsin every week. Now, it's scattered over 200 different venues, obviously, but that's still a pretty sizable uh, you know, amount of people. And obviously, with uh, we know what the success that we've had at WSN and the, the number of people that, that do follow high school athletics, uh, we have obviously felt that's important and tried to make that our mission. And I, I agree with you wholeheartedly as, as we had conversations even before you left uh, about some of the changes that had been put into place and the frustrations about it. So I, 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 I think and I hope that, that it, maybe the pendulum will swing the other way. And as everybody in the world covers the Badgers and everybody in the world covers the Packers, some of the, the newspapers and traditional media will see that local is the differentiator. And local means high school sports and community-based sports, um, that that will hopefully at some point swing back. But uh, well, and I, I don't know. Yeah, we're, and we're doing incredible numbers at Wisconsin.golf just covering high school golf. I mean, our biggest months of the year, Travis, are April, May, September, and October, but especially April, May, and into June with the high school golf coverage because we're the ones that aggregate the, the collection of results. And to your point, 
there are hundreds of you know of thousands of people attending high school football games you know throughout the state and you know obviously you know going back to the Friday Night Lights concept uh, you know around the country um, but unlike college football unlike professional football you can't go home and watch the, the highlights of too many games on TV in fact I was talking to, to Mike Jocks uh, Jocko from Channel 15 at the Ryder Cup and I was told that he's the only um, outlet in the Madison market now with more with highlights from more than one game on a Friday night and the others to you know basically again punted that concept to the curb because of you know staffing issues and it uh, and then you know you don't even get me started on the you know the catastrophe that local radio has become especially in the Madison market um, and and how you know it uh, you know we've seen some really good veteran people leave here in the last few months and and um, you know it, it just it speaks to where the um, you know what the motivation is for the people running these companies and it, it's the bottom line and it's you know, being able to have enough money to bid on a Badger football contract, and in order to have that capital available, you pretty much have to gut your staff, and then you know, and then hire them back on a freelance basis. And it's an awful business model. It's hurting a lot of people that you and I are near and dear to. And uh, I just, um, you know, you, you you say a prayer that they're going to have a job tomorrow, and that they're going to continue to be able to do the job that they've done for so many years. And uh, you know, that's kind of, I think, you know where we are fortunate travis because we are given the tools to do what we need to do to do you know to still have our hands in the coverage of high school sports at least you know for me you know being able to do golf it's it's it, it is shades of when i did all the sports at the state journal the appreciation level is through the roof and uh again you wish you could you know take an owner's hand of a newspaper or, or a radio station and and guy can walk him into a high school sports uh, arena, whether it's the gymnasium during the wintertime for basketball or, or one of the football stadiums, and hear people yell at you, say, hey, how you doing, and and uh, really appreciate your coverage. I mean, I, I know you get it. I get it all the time with the golf uh, you know, community. It's uh, the appreciation level. I mean, what we do is not taken for granted, and I just don't think that a lot of the people who have uh, called the shots here in recent years uh, understand that. Well, let's uh, let's end on a good note in our conversation here today. Instead of uh, instead of griping about um, you know the, the things that we would like to see changed or do better, but you know as you look back at uh, a lengthy career covering sports and covering high school sports in Wisconsin, uh, let's talk about high school sports specifically. But what are some of those games, some of those moments, some of those players, some of those interactions that stand out the most to you? Well, I, one that stands out is, uh, you know, covering the career of Sam Oakey. Um, and I pick his name kind of out of a hat here because um, as we were driving up and down um, uh, I-43 from Whistling Straits up to uh, Green Bay, we would pass the exit for St. Nazians. And, uh, and you can't pass that exit without saying the, the name Mickey Crow, one of the legendary basketball players in Wisconsin. And for me, the guy who really, I thought, move the needle in that regard and i guess i should say too on, on the, the 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 name that everyone remembers still probably today is sam Oki because he came from tiny Castle, um and um you know he had coaches from all over the country coming to watch him play and what i remember most about sam was sam really got into the um the culture of high school basketball he wouldn't just uh, you know if he wasn't playing on a say a thursday night had a friday night game 
I, I remember one time we were living in Watertown and, and uh, we were at a game between uh, Beaver Dam and Watertown, one of the great rivalries of the old little 10. And, um, and Ryan Benish was playing for Beaver Dam. And I'm pretty sure Sam and Ryan had played, uh, you know, some AU basketball together. All of a sudden we're walking in the gym and there's Sam Oakey. And, uh, you know, so it's a kid who was a great basketball player, but really loved the game. And, and that, that kind of resonated, but then that, you know, you go back even further and, um, you know, on the Mickey Crow end of things. And Travis Tuttle was kind of a modern day Mickey Crow for, you know, early in my career, you know, he was scoring 60, 70 points a game out of little Argyle high school. And, and Travis and I are still uh, our friends on, on Facebook and he's got kids that play sports and it's fun to see, you know, these legendary names. I mean, you know, back in the day, you never would have been able to follow your legends, you know, you know, because we didn't have Twitter, we didn't have Facebook. And, um, and, you know, once they go on past uh, their high school and college careers, but boy, Travis Tuttle certainly captivated a portion of the state that, uh, you know, had people lining up out the door down the street for, you know, for his four years, trying to see how many points he could score. Those were some of the, you know, the big names I remember. And then, you know, every sport I thought, you know, thanks to the great work of the WIA, provided an end-of-the-season experience that uh, was second to none. And, you know, we all get, you know, amped up for the uh, state high school basketball tournament. I ran into Dick Nipinski, who I knew has done work for you guys at WSN. Uh, I, I ran into him at the at the, the Ryder Cup. And, you know, we, you know, you know, shared, you know, memories of spending time, boy, all the way back to the UW Fieldhouse covering the state tournaments uh, for different places. And uh, um, and then, of course, you know, the state football finals at Camp Randall have certainly become an event. And, you know, I'm a guy who, when I was in high school, my high school, Wisconsin Rapids Lincoln, played Kenosha Tremper in a state football final at Mansfield Stadium in Madison, a place where I would go on to cover, you know, dozens of football games, let alone, you know, high school track meets and other things. And, uh, and so, and then, you know, you look at the state track and field meet was always a favorite because to me, it was like the Olympics of high school sports. You had, uh, I remember Ryan Tillema, a great basketball player at, Ryan, at uh, Randolph, um, would be, uh, you know, would qualify for the state championships and high jump. And then you look around and, um, and you know, it was a who's who of, of, of athletes from other sports. Joe Thomas, um, you know, the great uh, football lineman, um, you know, who went on to an NFL career, but he was a great shot putter. And, uh, you know, all the great walk-ons at the University of Wisconsin who really started to turn heads as track and field kids like Jared Aberderis and, and Alex Erickson, um, these small-town kids who had to do it all. They played sports every, you know, a different sport every season. And you would always see them at the last time each school year at the state track meet up in, up in lacrosse. And, uh, and then all the events that are held uh, at some of the great venues around the state, uh, and but especially at, on the UW campus, whether it be softball, you know, or um, you know, golf at University Ridge, uh, it, it's it's just been fun to watch the evolution of high school championships and what they mean for the kids that are playing them, what they mean for the communities that are following them, and uh, and really what they mean for the, the the culture of high school sports to be able to know that. By the time that you get to the, you know, the as we called it here in COVID, uh, Travis, the culminating event, that uh, it was going to be a special time in your life, uh, not just your season. And I think those are the things that stick with me the most. 
We're wrapping up our conversation with Rob Hernandez, former sports editor, a prep sports editor at the Wisconsin State Journal, now working for uh, Wisconsin.golf. Uh, you've you've had lived in California for a number of years after leaving Wisconsin. You're now in Arizona. Um, how would you compare and contrast high school sports out there compared to what we have in Wisconsin, both in terms of how they're covered, how they're played, the level of competition, you know, what a state tournament looks like. What What is the vibe in high school sports out there compared to what we have here in Wisconsin? I'm so glad you asked that question, Travis, because, um, you know, we just got done with that little controversy about the bogus team on ESPN that was playing high school football or what was supposed to be high school football. And um, you, you see a lot of great things coming out of these states that I'm living in now that, uh, you know, I just left the five-year run in California. And, um, you know, a lot of it's the same as Wisconsin, but uh, so much of it is different. Uh, the, the high school where my kids went to, to school in um, California, where I coached high school golf, um, it, uh, you know, the football games were every bit as big, maybe bigger than Wisconsin, because you, you were guaranteed good weather. You could have all the different, uh, you know, you, you, they, they had a DJ, kind of like at the Bucks game, um, you know, in between plays and things like that. So it was, it, it was similar, but different. And, excuse me, I think the, the, the part that was most different was that um, not everyone got in the postseason um, because there are so many professional sports franchises floating around California. Um, you didn't get the general interest from people in the community that you do in smaller areas. And I think the, the last big difference is that um, kids today are pulled in a dozen different directions. I know from coaching high school sports, it um, the kids on my teams would be deeply involved in these AP courses because it was a bigger deal to them to be admitted into UCLA, Stanford, Cal, whatever it might be, than it was to have on your resume that you played four years of a high school sport. And so they were taking four and five AP classes a semester. Their time was, you know, really um, impacted, their time management impacted. And so you didn't get some of the best players. And, and football was a great experience at the games that we would go to in California. But uh, my youngest daughter played uh, high school basketball, and it was a train wreck out there. And, uh, and you know, she it was one of those things where, you know, four coaches in four years type of thing uh, in that program. She only played a year and a half. And, um, but her sophomore year, she went from playing freshman basketball at Verona the year that they won the state championship, I believe it was, or the year before, and um, to being in the starting lineup her first game out here as a, in the varsity team. <laughs> and then um, they just got throttled. You know, and again, you didn't have any feeder program. You didn't have any, you know, really any continuity in the summertime. And uh, and then they had the schedule that included playing a team up in Riverside that had a, a gal going to uh, USC. And it was, it was by far the worst throttling I've ever seen. And, uh, you know, I just told her, you know, losing builds character every bit as much as winning does, and uh, that you'll someday look back on this night and say, I'll learn from it. And you know, here she was at 5'6", guarding a gal going to USC at 6'3". It was kind of like uh, when I think it was she was playing middle school basketball. One of the kids was playing middle school basketball against Sidney Hilliard at, at uh, Monroe, and uh, Howie Dubeck, the coach of the middle school team down at Monroe, called a an ISO play for Sidney Hilliard back in seventh grade. And, 
And he had told me when I walked in the gym, you want to see Sydney Hilliard play because she is phenomenal. And obviously she's gone on to great things at Wisconsin. And what you see at Wisconsin is what you got back in seventh grade. And she just uh, had this beautiful spin move around my daughter up to the rack and in. And uh, it was shades of that when we were in California with this team that we played out of Riverside. But uh, it, it, it just, it, it was different. And, uh, you know, it, it's all for one. It, it's, it's really a, more of a, a singular mindset if you're a good player you're going to spend the money individually to get better and it really doesn't matter how good your team is as long as you get your scholarship there's hundreds of people out of the state of california who get scholarships to different schools and different places but it, it just doesn't have the vibe that uh, you know that you have these great programs like a cuba city in basketball or like a you know a stratford or edgar in football um you, you know you've got the major one and if you do travis they're the best teams money can buy. St. John Bosco and, and um, Mater, Mater Day out of uh, the L.A. area. I mean, they're good every year, but they're good because they get good. They don't, they don't develop good. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Uh, Rob, it's been great to catch you up here today. Uh, some great insight on a lot of different topics. Uh, we miss you back here in Wisconsin. I've said that before. Um, Maybe someday we'll get you back. We'll keep hoping and wishing. But uh, enjoy the the great weather out there in Arizona, the great golf. If you do get back, let me know. I'd love to get around in with you, uh, even though I hack it around and we'd be driving all over the course, but that's okay. But, uh, again, appreciate you joining us for the WSM podcast, and we'll, uh, we'll be sure to catch up. That sounds good, Travis. Thanks a lot. Again, a great conversation with Rob getting some, uh, some good insight on a lot of different topics there that, uh, again, always good to catch up with him, and we miss him uh, dearly back here in the state of Wisconsin. Week 7 coming up. A lot of big games on the schedule. Again, the quick trip game of the week does look like it will be Oak Creek and Franklin. Norbert Durst will be at that one, getting you some updates on Friday night. We'll have all kinds of stuff coming out later in the week and, of course, next week as well. And... Uh, We'll get back at it. We're, we're getting down to the home stretch. There's a, a lot of playoff talk, uh, talk obviously. Also, a lot of uh, big games are going to decide conference title races in the next couple weeks. And we'll have more information for you coming out uh, soon on, on what our plans are for that final Friday night of the high school football season. Last year was different, obviously. Um, you know, not really that big push to, to determine who was in the playoffs. It was more who's not going to be canceling and, and declining the opportunity for that WI culminating event. We're looking forward to a more regular season uh, in terms of that last Friday night. I, I am unsure if, uh, if, if we will do our Facebook live event that has been pretty popular the last few days or last, excuse me, last few years um, or last year, for instance, the, the Wisconsin football coaches association uh, asked that I would represent them at the WIA office on that final Friday night, just as another set of eyes to, to go over things for their playoffs and, and make sure that things looked, you know, kosher and, and whatever, um, you know, help with uh, some some suggestions on, you know, where teams should be placed in terms of regional groupings and things like that. I'm unsure if, if they will make that request again or, or what we will be doing, but we will have more information for you coming out soon on what our plans are for that final Friday night. Either way, Wisports.net will be your home, will be the place that you will want to be to tune in, to find out 
what is going on with the playoffs. Who's in, who's out, what the matchups will be, what the, the seedings will be, all that good stuff. And we'll talk a lot more about that in the next couple weeks. But that will do it for today for our WSN podcast. This has been a WSN podcast. I am Travis Wilson. We'll see you at a game.